Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Threads of Autism podcast. My name is Trish, as I'm sure you're all aware by now, and um, just a quick note to say that I am, I've really surprised myself with how much I'm enjoying doing these episodes and it's kind of like my own therapy in a way and I hope that you are all enjoying them too and more importantly that they are shared by you um, to literally everyone you know, of course. <laughs> Thank you in advance. So right, uh, today's episode is titled Holidays and Feeling the Strain. Most parents and children, especially autistic children and their parents, tend to kind of claw their way to the end of the school year, usually hitting a few bumps along the way, scraping the tarmac and basically kind of stuttering <laughs> up until the last day. Uh, all of us feeling tired, exhausted, drained, sick of the demands of lessons and exams and school runs and school admin and all the must-dos for children and all the should-dos for the parents. And I think we all feel that in some way. Then, of course, the wonderful summer holidays arrive and usually weeks one and two are absolute bliss, yeah? Everybody's tired, so things are a bit subdued. There's lots of lions. It's super chilled out. Some of the usual rules go out the window. There's food treats and lots of TV, and there's no expectations, and there's relief that the year is done, and PJ days, and maybe a movie night here and there. And then it's kind of at around this point, like literally one to two weeks in, with the parents, not the children. I mean, God, they're there. I mean, I have a twenty-year-old and a seventeen-year-old Henry siblings who, um, who who are still seemingly completely oblivious um, to the work that's involved. But it's usually at this point that it's just the parents who are now sort of thinking, "Oh my gosh, um, roll forward five, seven, eight weeks to the end of the holidays when they go back to school." And I don't think we should be feeling guilty about that. And and if you think you're alone, you most certainly aren't in those thoughts. You know, the children just seem to be so oblivious to that workload. Uh, churning out three meals a day every day. I mean, I never thought I'd be so grateful for school meals. You know, if you are the parent of an autistic child or children, it's, it's more like six meals a day, either because they're on a different sort of time clock um, or eat different foods to the rest of the family or just need constant topping up like my son and yeah you know the piles of laundry the bed linen changes the uh, juggling the placating the tidying up the noise level control the money spending the routine maintaining yeah <laughs> completely oblivious the children are children are um so yeah i think that's one of the big reasons parents start to feel it and yeah, you know, I mean, I haven't even got to the part where you all kind of jump in the car or a taxi or train or bus or aeroplane and actually go on your family summer holiday to somewhere new or different or sunnier and, and things. So, so yeah, I guess um, <laughs> it's okay uh, to feel a bit of, you know, my gosh, a bit of dread about the school holidays. And I will go into that a little bit more further on. I think the important thing to say is, you know, we we as parents and, and all of us really, we our childhood memories of the summer holidays are for the most part 
extremely fond memories and we remember them as being kind of epic and and wonderful we don't remember all of that work that goes on in the background or any of the stress or exhaustion of the parents thankfully and I will come back to a point about this again later on as well because it's it's not really dependent on a family's means or what kind of holiday you have Children tend, you know, our memories of those childhood holidays, whatever they were, whether you stayed at home, sat in a caravan site, um, like I did, <laughs> still having to, you know, have your wash the dishes duty where you had to trek the dishes from dinner to some random building far away from the tent to wash the dishes in sunlight soap with cold water, which is also where you were allowed to toilet and shower occasionally. <laughs> That being the only facilities in the entire campsite. Yeah, I hope their parents are listening to this. <laughs> uh, hot, sticky tents, crazy flipping cyclone storms. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I mean, all I have is fond memories. And there's a reason for that. And, you know, that we all have fond memories. And, and I'll come back to that a bit later on. So, you know, don't, don't beat yourselves up too much, parents. Yeah, we all feel some sort of trepidation about the school holidays and I will go on to explain now why it can be a little bit different for parents um, who have autistic children you know depending depending on their level of need the big differences I have found will first of all have been just the kind of you know that usual sort of excitement and build up and you know gearing and counting down the days towards a summer holiday wherever you're going that definitely goes out the window <laughs> and it becomes a sort of exercise in absolute precision planning and that can be pretty tiring in itself and you lose a lot of the spontaneity and the kind of fun of it all, you know, I kind of, oh, it's going to get emotional now, I kind of, I miss, you know, when, when our older two children, Henry's siblings, Ben and Abby, were younger and we did those kind of resort holidays or hotel holiday and or wherever we were really with visiting family and in a nice hot sunny place by a pool or the sea or, or even a playground or campsite um you know just being able to sit back with my husband just the two of us um you know with a cool drink in hand and just actually watch our kids enjoying themselves swimming or playing making other friends games and of course there's the usual squabbles and moans and groans and tears and little mini accidents and scrapes and things but just that kind of time to kick back a bit and, and just enjoy watching our children that kind of <laughs> that all went away when Henry came into our world and you know what what we had and I know for a fact I know for a fact that if you asked Ben and Abby, Henry's siblings. Henry, by the way, if you're new to this, is autistic, non-speaking or non-verbal ADHD. And um, I know for a fact that they they would have the absolute best memories of their holiday. They wouldn't recognize any of what I'm saying now. And I certainly will. I will invite them along with other guests later in the year. Um, so we will hopefully get a bit more insight from them. I might have to kind of seriously, you know, uh, prep those questions for the siblings but um yeah you know I the, the hyper vigilance involved with a special needs child autistic child 
especially when you're on holiday somewhere new to the family or where it is obviously school holidays wherever you are even if you're staying at home but you're visiting the local pool it is busy people are on holiday so you know since Henry came into our lives it's been it's been exhaustion on on a whole other level for for mum and dad particularly partly because we're sort of compensating and you know, we're trying, we, we feel and we, we felt and we still do feel that a, a family holiday is super important to us. Henry absolutely deserves to be with us. He is part of our family. He is a human being and he has gained so much from some of the experiences we have had and things we've introduced into. But it has been so hard and it has been at the expense of mum and dad's time you know we basically tag team one of us is with Henry and one of us is with the other two children um we don't get a lot of sleep we don't get a lot of sleep in our own home anyway as many of you will um be able to resonate with so 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 put that into a hotel bedroom with different temperatures and rooms and you know sharing with siblings and um yeah sleeps terribly on holiday so that again, um, another level of sleep deprivation. And then just, it's just the, for me, it's just the being amongst other people on holiday, being in the public eye and being judged and stared at. And it just, I don't know if it affects my husband as much as I, as it does me. I mean, I, I don't think it does. I think he's more aware of it than I give him credit for, but He's more confident in who he is, who we are as a family and, and his son. And it's not that I'm not confident in Henry. I just I just look, don't like to be looked like stared at and given dirty looks. And I don't like my son to be stared at either. And it hurts and it makes me, well, I don't know, feel like a bad parent because sadly that's the perception that is out there. So... Sometimes I kind of think, well, you know, part of me is very proud of the fact that we have done so much with our son. We have flown and traveled everywhere and taken the children on some incredible holidays. Um, obviously, we were living abroad for some of that time, so it was our opportunity to explore bits of Asia, for example. Um, but man, it was hard. It was hard work. And I, you know, part of me is so proud of what we did. I know we introduced Henry to things that that have benefited, that we took so much joy and pride in, um, him discovering swimming and how much he loves the water and the sea and things like that. Um, and then another part of me is, is, is so furious with myself and just thinking, you know, I've, I've tortured myself and, and, and the family possibly. Why? It's too much. Why? Why do we agree to these holidays? Why did we do this? Why have I gone along and, you know, cut myself down to the bone uh, in terms of what I can cope with just so that we can be a family and do what other families do on holiday when, when we're different? Our family is different and we just can't and I should have pulled back. So I think, I, I think I'm still toying with that. Um, you know, and, and obviously we have learned to adapt over time. Henry is now 12 and I don't kind of, I haven't in the past compromised on family, which again um, is extremely difficult holiday for us both um, and tiring and exhausting, but so, so important. And, and we don't even question it because 
nothing could be more important to us than for Henry's family to get to know him. And I guess I can hear people in the background sort of saying, well, you should, you, you know, you could get help. And I mean, getting respite care and PAs to help in the holidays, um, yeah, requires a few episodes. <clears throat> I mean, oh my goodness, what a system, what a palaver, how complicated. It never works. I've never managed to even secure one yet, even though it's been written into an EHCP. And to be honest, I sometimes just don't have the energy for it. The amount of explaining and talking through I'd have to do in order for these people to cope with one day and for me to let go for one day, knowing that my son will actually have a good time and will be safe and that everyone will be okay, is just it's just too much <laughs> for me. And, and Henry himself does not tolerate people in the home when mum is here and, and when he's on holiday and his siblings are around. So it's just always been such a nightmare for us. And and again, I'm not going to, you know, um, I'm not going to put the pressure on to our family, like my parents or my husband's parents, in terms of looking after Henry for a bit so we can get a break, because that is also an extremely difficult thing to do. And I know that they are, we are so, so blessed. They are both both sets so super super willing so um desperately wanting to help <laughs> but slowly but surely they're realizing that they just can't it's not a question of us being proud parents who just want to take on the mandolin do everything and you know make sure everybody's having a lovely time and oh no no don't worry we're good we're good it's not that at all it's it's it comes mainly from me i think and it's that i I do not want my parents or my husband's parents to have to experience something they feel they can't cope with in terms of Henry. And I know how much work it takes for Henry to have a smooth and regulated day and to throw that on grandparents, not only to throw it on him, who he is obviously less trusting of them, they are not the consistent person in his life. Um, it's a big ask of him it's therefore a double ask on the parents because it's super complicated. You cannot communicate with him. You cannot reason with him. You cannot bribe him. You cannot distract him. And I don't want them to see my son dysregulated and distressed. And I don't want my son to have to experience that with his grandparents. So I just won't. Yeah? Yeah, call me crazy, but I just, I just won't. <laughs> Henry is now 12 years old and I guess we're still trying to find that sort of perfect equilibrium in terms of the long summer school holidays and um, we're getting there slowly but surely. We have absolutely pulled back and it's not that it gets harder and harder with Henry um, in many respects because of the work we've put in when he's younger around traveling in particular flying for example. That's fantastic now and it's been absolutely amazing, but we have definitely had to understand what is best for us as a family as a whole. And that has meant kind of cutting out the whole resort, you know, 5,000 people on the beach or in a mega hotel holidays, it just has. And we don't feel regret or remorse or feel like we have, you know, been unfair on our other children they've had some wonderful experiences that many other kids haven't had 
and they are free to do their own traveling <laughs> out of their own pockets when they're older. And uh, we will obviously encourage that massively. Um, you know, you're out before or after uni. Um, I, I really hope they, they take that up and do just that. Go out and have a super amazing time traveling around and seeing the world as they want to see it. And um, yeah, we now tend to go to the same place for those long summer holidays every year to a place in France. And just to sort of give other people an idea of, of why we do this and well, not really why. I mean, I think that's fairly obvious, you know, it's just Henry doesn't cope in these environments and we end up not having, not coping either really. And when he is not coping, then it's not a holiday for him. So we decamp in the summer usually to a lovely little spot in the middle of nowhere in France. There have been years where his siblings as young teenagers were bored out of their minds, especially with no Wi-Fi. But this actually brings me back to the point I mentioned earlier about the fact that we all seem to have very rosy memories of our summer holidays. And I don't think it is about what type of holiday it was. I think it's about the family unit. You know, children are happiest when the whole family, mum, dad, you know, partner, partner, whatever the situation is, are together as a family. And I mean just that unit. I think the wider family dipping in and out is fun and exciting. But at the end of the day, they're happiest, most regulated, being who they want to be is when that family unit is together. And those two weeks where daddy, mummy, whoever takes off work and they can all be together, that, that forms the basis of those memories. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you stayed at home the whole holiday. It doesn't matter if you're in flipping Disneyland. It doesn't matter if you're in, like us, an old house in the middle of nowhere in France with no Wi-Fi. Don't don't feel bad, you know, as parents that I think it'd be interesting to hear what Ben and Ellie have to say when we <clears throat> have them on as guests. Um, but I think that is what the essence of the family holiday is to them. And, and something's just popped into my head right now. And that is, you know, nothing could be more precious than that place in France having no Wi-Fi initially, although we've kind of in the bullets and gotten it mainly for Henry and his little iPad but um you know to be away from the screens is another huge deal and I'm not knocking kids and social media and teenagers and being screen addicts and everything I'm actually having a knock at the parents because it's our generation who haven't learned the rules around this and it is alarming how much we use our phones now constantly with us while we are with our children TV's on, they're watching a film, we're watching our phones. I mean, that never used to happen, you know, and I, I wonder if they don't actually feel that a bit. But anyway, that was a, you know, off-piste thing to say. So I absolutely want to implore parents, especially parents of autistic children, to just do what works for you. You as the main caregiver of that autistic child, whoever you are, mum, dad, and do what works for you as a family too. And if that means staying at home, then stay at home. And don't overcompensate. Don't kind of let that guilt creep in about all the, you know, then out every single day doing activities and trips to here and trips to there because we haven't got a proper holiday planned or we aren't going anywhere. You don't need to do it 
for the most part, children in today's world just need serious downtime. The other thing I'm going to say to any, you know, very remote chance that some people in the in the powerful positions in special educational needs, schools in particular, <laughs> if you're listening, please, please shorten the summer holiday. You know, so many autism specialists or any specialist schools still, um, I don't know if it's a legal requirement or what, but they still tend to stick to A, the national curriculum targets and, and then P scales, etc. Or, you know, insist on kids being in the same ages in the classes of, of really autism specialist schools. These are proper specialist schools having a curriculum and book days and PE and, I don't know, assemblies and, and Christmas fairs and things that... Uh, you know, it's it's a long time, seven, eight, some, some schools up to 10 weeks of summer holidays is too, too long. And I don't want to take anything away from the children here. I know it's too long for my son. By the time that comes around, he, he had forgotten that he even went to school. And, and it's like starting all over again. You know, the trauma of then returning to school and starting again is just crazy. And thankfully now he is in a school, highly autism specialist school, that actually does. It does shorten the summer holiday. There is no major curriculum plan to stick to. There are no specific age groups to mix together with the children. There's just the basic primary and secondary. And what a difference it has made to our world and our family. You know, we get an, a longer half term, it can be two weeks, a bit longer sometimes, so that the summer is roughly five to six weeks max. And what a blessing, honestly. You know, autistic children can be kind of best regulated with routines, and those go totally out of the window in the holidays. And you want to let them go at some, some level, but with an autistic child, takes a lot of work to claw it back even if you've let it go just for a few days and it's really important because they need to feel regulated and so much changes in the holidays and they can lose all perspective of the sense of time and day and where they are and what's happening next and it just can start to towards the end of the holiday just create create the most enormous amounts of anxiety so um yes that's another you know implore imploring the school sends heads powers that be I mean, it's, it's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> so yes, the other thing I want to maybe put in there is just, you know, for others who are listening, who perhaps are sort of wondering what all the fuss is about, but just to sort of explain what actually goes into planning a holiday or even going on holiday with an autistic child. Um, I have actually written a blog about what it takes, a bike ride, you know, everybody else is sort of looking at a video clip of Henry on my social media going, oh, wow, he can ride a bike. Lovely. Mummy's following him. Oh, my word. You have no idea what goes into that 40-minute bike ride. Um, so I wrote a blog, if you're interested, and uh, um, it's on the website, www.autismthreads.co.uk. And I'm pretty sure I've done a sort of um, social media post as well about what it takes to go to the pub. Just a simple walk from home to the pub for a snack or a drink and back again. And um, just to give you a bit of a flavor in terms of the holidays, you know, um, and this, again, there is no discredit to our autistic children. This is so little to do with who they are and everything to do with making sure 
they can cope, they can cope with their holidays, that nothing upsets them too much, that they stay regulated, that they do get introduced to one or two new experiences and that they can manage it and cope. I mean, it's, it's such a huge ask going anywhere in the school holidays with an autistic child. It's so unfair. I mean, there is so much my son, Henry, would absolutely adore about London if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> and that includes wonderful places like the Transport Museum and Covent Garden. And, and you know, I mean, a lot of places are doing the absolute best they can, but they have their money to make, you know, and they can't just clear out the museum for two hours to allow some special children in. I wish they I wish they could and maybe we'll get there one day. You know, we get free passes and they have sort of um, calmer hours where they dim the lighting and try to make things more reasonable. But at the end of the day, a queue, a queue is a queue is a queue is a nightmare for an autistic child. Um, and rightly so. I mean, they, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, you should just suck this up and get over it. It's a cue and, and learn to deal with these things. My autistic child is not like that at all. They'll never learn because it just, it, it has such a huge impact on them. It is so overwhelming for them. It is physically, emotionally, mentally, highly stressing, you know, especially when in their minds, there is no reason for it. The doors are open. It's a museum. You can take 10,000 people. We are standing here. We have a ticket. Let us in. <laughs> Which reminds me, going back to stay on point, about what it takes to prep, say, for going on holiday. So, uh, you know, people just think, oh, well, you, 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 you get in a car or taxi, whatever, and you go to the airport and you go on holiday. And okay, yeah, you must need to maybe sort of help prepare them and give them visuals about where they're going. No, 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 no. Dial back, dial back, dial back. It starts with actually, first of all, talking about the holiday. Um, my son Henry might be non-speaking, non-verbal, but boy, does he listen. And it's extremely difficult to figure out what he processes of what he listens um, and what he is and isn't tuning into. He can He can seem to not be listening at all, but I promise you, He's fully competent. Every single word is going in. But how that's being interpreted is, is anybody's guess. And, you know, so you can't you can't even build up the excitement and the momentum of about talking about the holiday. That has to be done when he is asleep, which is which is <clears throat> rather late at night and, and for not very long. Um, packing for the holiday. Uh, another has to be kept totally under wraps and out of sight. So again, has to wait until the middle of the night when he's asleep and the cases have to be hidden the next day. He mustn't become suspicious of even too few clothes in his drawers. And the reason for all of this is because he is, he is obviously, holidays are quite unpredictable. Just saying holiday automatically is like that's unexpected holiday where, when, what, how. They're usually always different. We never seem to leave at the same time of day. We never seem to go to the same place. Well, that used to happen years ago. Even if I mention the same place, sometimes we fly from Gatwick. Sometimes we fly from Stansted. Sometimes we have to drive. And so the preparation involves so that his expectations about what is happening are met has to be absolutely, minutely, incrementally planned. And he, his body clock tends to work on, on a week. Um, he's not very good with days of the week or time, and he's he's obviously, thanks to the school, used to sort of Monday to Friday. He understands what a weekend is, and I do think he now understands what the school holidays mean, but of course school holidays are a different length of time every holiday. So again, 
not very pleasing to him. So yes, all of that has to be kept under wraps until we are literally ready. Um, you know, over the years, we've sometimes had to just announce it five minutes before we're going. Hugely tricky. Now we can, you know, I mean, he's so clever. He knows. I mean, he know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to make people believe this, but I swear this child can read my aura. He knows every fiber in my being. He he can read me. He can read right through my entire body. I don't know how to describe it. He he knows my hormones before I do. I mean, I just know he knows. So, you know, me sort of buying some extra little snacks in the food shop for the aeroplane journey, for instance. Oh my God, he's onto it. <laughs> he's so suspicious. A, of being set up for an interaction, but B, about something not going according to, you know, on his terms or something happening that he, he, he doesn't, you know, expect or understand the predictability of. So, um, so yes, there's all of that pre. Then it's like preparing Henry for the fact that, yes, we're all leaving as a family together, which is great. He's happy with that. He's never very happy when it's only part of the family and part not. So heaven help us in years to come when his older siblings are, you know, just on their own agendas and drifting in and out and flying, joining us when they can. Not looking forward to that. Preparation with Henry. Is it a taxi? You know, thankfully he's gotten used to the fact that it's a different taxi every time and a different driver. Um, and he has learned over the years to really, I mean, he loves flying. And I will dedicate an episode to flying because it's such a huge deal. Really, it is. Um, but for now, basically, since I'm, I'm rambling on for ages and really do need to wrap this episode up, you know, he enjoys the predictability, the routine that is taking a flight. But we have to prepare him separately for the airport experience and then the aeroplane, two totally different experiences. And again, any kind of delays, um, lengthy queues, nightmare. You know, the food preparation, the time that we actually fly according to his meals, not letting him get too hungry, which is when he becomes extremely dysregulated, coping with all the looks and stares, getting through airport security. You know, it's... It's, it, it takes big commitment, patience, curating of his behaviors, you know, coping with all the looks and stares, praying things, something unpredictable doesn't happen. Um, and he's a legend. And, you know, if it were me, now that I understand how much the sensory environment impacts him, when you think of how busy airports can be, the noises, the lights, the sounds, the food, the smells, the bags, the wheels, the people, the, oh my goodness, I mean, I, we would be going out of, I'd be going literally mad, I'd be freaking out, and when it comes to that flipping airplane on the runway, that's now in a queue, and we are zigzagging around for like 40 minutes, you know, <laughs> he, all things considered, he's an absolute flipping legend, if I were him in his world, I would be doing my nut, he is so patient and calm, and then he reaches a point where he has had enough, and he literally shouts every time he goes, ready, steady, go. And there have been a couple of times where the rest of the flight have actually clapped because <laughs> he's expressing exactly what we are all thinking. But we understand the reasons sometimes for the delay. We're still frustrated, but we can balance that in our minds. He cannot. You know, we are on the airplane in his mind. We are on the airplane. We have got our belts on. Our bags are packed away. And this plane is ready to go, so get the thing off the goddamn ground. <laughs> and I just think, you know, he could have screamed, shouted, kicked, 
And I mean, it's not to say he hasn't done that in, you know, when he was much younger, again, while dedicated episode to flying. And, um, but, but boy, I mean, he's just a legend. So that's just a little hint. Yeah. I, I've like literally taken you through basically leaving my house and just about getting onto an airplane. And that's, I've left out all the details of the boarding gates and the, you know, all of that. So, um, just, just to, something to think on, you know, what, what families with autistic children who, you know, um, go through, it's, it's a big deal for us. And if you don't know what to say or do, and you can't help but notice or look over because of funny, you know, physical movements or noises, oh, please just look the parents in the eyes and smile. Just, and if you can't do that genuinely, just, you know, smile as if you go, I, you're amazing and, and he'll be okay. That, that's all you have to do. Or, or just don't, please just don't look, just distract your own children and look away and, and be kind. <laughs> right, I am going to be taking a break in August. For now, obviously, there will be another episode in a couple of weeks. Please, parents, don't bog yourselves down with the guilt. All it's doing is making you more exhausted and drained. Do what works for you, as I've said before. You are not alone. Your child is going to be okay. And the summer holidays for your children will be just fine, provided you, particularly Mama Fitzhugh, who's the main caregiver, stick to with what you can cope with. It's okay. You don't have to be doing what anybody else is doing. You really don't. All right, folks, see you again, or you'll hear from me again in another couple of weeks. Bye.